This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or for His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to Church Online. I'm Reverend Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry, and I am so glad that you're choosing to join us today. If this is your first time joining us, just a very special welcome to you. But if you've been following along over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that we're in the middle of our September series called The Fundamentals of Faith. We've been looking at the building blocks of faith that we need to help us be followers of Jesus Christ in a very challenging time right now, right? We need to know what faith is. We need to know who we are in Christ. And we know, we need to know, how do we keep our joy, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm so glad that you're here, and I pray that today will be a blessing. But before we get started, let's open with prayer. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for how much you love us. I thank you that it's your desire for us to know you, to have a relationship with you and to know who we are in Christ. So we thank you for our faith. We ask that you will help us step that out each and every day. Activate our faith today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will fall in this place, that we will not only know who we are in Christ, but we'll also know how to keep our joy. It's a challenging world today with so many things that can take us off the path. So we pray, Lord, that you will be our joy that we will stay settled in you and focused on you. And I pray that that starts today. Open up our hearts and our ears for what it is that you have for us. And I pray for a fresh anointing that I will speak your truth with love. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. So let's do a quick recap, especially for those of you that are just joining us today for the first time. On week one, we looked at what faith is and how do we activate, activate that and step out in faith each day, despite what our circumstances look like, despite what's happening. And we talked about how we need to step out and cooperate with God to activate our faith. We need to be able to to step out even when we can't see how everything is going to be changed. We have to believe that we have that healing even before it has started uh, to happen and manifest in our lives. We have to make sure what we're decreeing and declaring is God's word and we need to be able to show that faith, that, that it's active and living and alive. Last week we talked about how do we keep our identity in Christ and as we look at the shape of the world, and the way the world offers up so many different options today for our identity. What are we going to belong to? What are we going to say that we are? It brings a lot of confusion and a lot of opportunities for the devil to work in our lives, which ultimately is this, you know, the struggle of not knowing who we are in Christ and, and not knowing God's plans and who we are in him. So we need to first know what faith is and we need to know who we are in Christ, which brings us today, how do we keep our joy? 
It's an important fundamental of faith that as we step out each day, knowing who we are in Christ, that we grab onto the joy that we can receive from Jesus. And and I'm not talking about happiness today. I'm talking about joy. And that's where one of the struggles are, is the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is fleeting. And I know that because I chased happiness for many years. For a long time, I tried to find happiness in people. I tried to find happiness in relationships. I tried to find happiness in my purchases, what I could buy. I tried to find happiness in uh, clothing and all the ways that the world shows us this is how you become happy. You just need this and you just need this and we can buy into that and we can focus all of our attention on those things. But we find and I found that they don't bring true happiness, that it's fleeting and that as soon as I have that, it does not fill the hole in my heart. It does not give me what I need to keep stepping out each and every day. So when we look at the shape of the world, we look at what's happening today, we look at our circumstances and our situations, it's easy to get caught up in all of the negative things. After a long day at school or work, you turn on the television, you watch just 30 minutes of the news. And it can solidify how we look at the world. It can solidify that it's just craziness. When you look at the different aspects of political or the weather or things, you know, natural disasters, it can be overwhelming. And it can make you feel bombarded on top of all of the other struggles that are happening in your life, coming home from eight to 10 hours of work and the problems that are there, or maybe you're in college right now or in school and you've got homework and you're struggling with people. You may feel as though you're in this tank of water, right? And you've got your head just above the line, just so that you can breathe just a little bit. And if one more thing were to land on your head, you're going to be underwater with no way out. Does it feel like we're fighting a losing battle? I would say some days it does. But here's the thing. Maybe we're focusing on the wrong things. One producer's view of a news story is not the only perspective. A magazine cover with pictures of this distraught couple fighting is not the only version. Images on Facebook and other social media outlets are not the only truth. We have to be vigilant in our pursuit of truth and and where we're getting our information. We also have to pay attention on what are we focusing on. If you're going to look for all the bad stuff, that is what you're going to find. And that is what you're going to focus on. And it is going to change your perspective. And you're certainly not going to have happiness or even joy. Because when we focus on the wrong things, 
we're traveling down a road that is challenging in terms of finding our way back. In my case, I spent years focusing on the wrong things. And it took me 17 years to find my way back, to be paying attention to what God had for me, to finally look up and see that God was bigger than my circumstances and my situations. I was so wrapped up in my own pain, my own troubles, my own sadness. That's all I saw. I couldn't look up and see that, you know what? Other people were struggling also. I couldn't look up and say, hey, that's a good thing right now. That's a really good thing yet because I had my eyes focused on the ground, down at my circumstances, focused on me. Each day I laid under my own pain, covered up in my despair as though I was under a heavy blanket, wrapping myself up and for some reason finding comfort in that. I never wanted to leave because this is where the enemy wants us to stay. When we're focused on ourselves, for good or for bad, we can't see others and we can't be used by God. So if he can keep us there under that blanket of insecurity and sadness, we're stuck. We're stuck in our situations. We're stuck in the painful moments. We're not activating our faith and stepping out. And we're not believing who God says we are. And we're not believing in all of God's promises. What I needed to do was instead of looking down, I needed to lift my eyes. I needed to focus on Jesus. I needed to look away from myself and my own problems. And I needed to look to him. And if I had been in the Bible, if I had been reading God's word, my GPS, my true north, I could have seen Verses like this that I encourage you to grab onto today. Philippians 3.14 I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Pressing on is not staying trapped underneath a blanket of problems. Pressing on is stepping out in our faith every single day regardless of what the situation looks at, like, trusting that God is going to carry us through. Psalm 12, 1, sorry, Psalm 121, 1 through 2. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We can't stare down at our situations. We need to focus and look up and lift our eyes. And then Isaiah 40, 26. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. If we're so focused on this, the problem, the issue, 
and not lifting our eyes to see how God is still on the throne and is in control of all things. We're going to stay stuck there. We're going to lose real time and we're not going to be able to have our joy in this world. Are you focusing on the wrong things today? Are you trapped in your uh, discouragement, the detours of life, the disappointments? God knew that we were going to struggle. God knew that we could focus on the wrong things. God knew that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy and pull us away from God, right? When we think about that, he's constantly pulling us, distracting us, detouring us away from God. Yet God knew this, right? That's why we can read in John 15, 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Remain. Not being pulled or distracted or detoured by the enemy, but remaining in God's love, focused on him, keeping our eyes on him because he never changes, because he is faithful, because he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Remaining. And here's the key. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Joy. How can we have joy when we look at the shape of the world today and not one of us is untouched by the weather, by political, by physical, by storms, by sickness, by famine, by fire. Not one of us is untouched today in the world. And yet you're saying, Amy, that I can keep my joy. Yes, because it doesn't come from this world. It comes from Jesus. I believe that we lose our joy when we don't focus on Jesus and who he is. When we don't remain in his love and when we look at the world with our physical eyes. That's why the very first week, what did we talk about? We talked about what is faith. Faith is not looking at things with our physical eyes. Faith is trusting in God and his promises and his provision and stepping out before we can see the results. Before we can feel the results. We're just trusting that God is working and moving. We get wrapped up in how the world looks from our limited human vantage point and we can't reconcile in our minds how an all-powerful God truly could let there be pain, could let there be struggle, could let there be sickness, could let there be hunger, could let there be death. And we have a hard time rationalizing that out. And there are so many people, and I've seen this on different posts, and I've heard this from different people as well. If God was a good God, then he wouldn't let all these people die over here. If God was a good God, he wouldn't let this fire happen, or this storm happen, or this famine happen. If God was a good God, he wouldn't let me go through this cancer, through this marriage problem, 
through this sickness. My daughter wouldn't have died if God was a good God. But what we're not focused on or thinking about is that the world today isn't God's original design. And if we want proof of that, and I've told you this time and time again, because we forget, because we need to be reminded, is we need to go back to the beginning. We need to go back to Genesis. And we read how God spoke our world into existence and gave us beautiful creation to live in and supplied all of our needs. He made us in his image, gave us the world to rule over and moved among us freely in relationship with him. But then the whisper, the enemy of our soul arrives on the scene and speaks to Eve in the garden. Did God really say you shouldn't eat from that tree over there? Are you sure? You will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And aren't those the same words that we're hearing today? Did God really say you are forgiven, that you're healed, that you're worthy, that he loves you? The enemy is not creative, but he is consistent. And he's been consistently spinning the same lies to us since the garden. But God, in his infinite love for us, he started this world down a path of restoration as soon as the enemy broke in. As soon as Eve took the apple and gave it to her husband, God started a plan of restoration to save us. When we failed by listening to the enemy, God orchestrated a way of redemption, sending his only son to walk among us, restore us back to himself, and break the curse of sin and death that came the day Eve listened to those words and tasted the fruit in the garden. You see, when we look at the world with our physical eyes, Without focusing on Jesus, we see the effects of the curse. And all we see are negative. All we see is the world as it is today. We see this perpetual motion of the earth that has been dying a slow death. But when we believe in Jesus, we as Christians have a front row seat to see the enemy's window of opportunity closing. And he is doing everything he can to distract us and detour us and pull us away from God in these final days. When you look at it from the eyes of someone who's following Jesus, you can see that this world is temporary, but that we have a home in heaven waiting for us when Jesus returns. If you are going to be constantly thinking of the negative with your eyes down and your face away from, from God, you're going to be looking at the world as the end, that this is all there is, and you will never have your joy. 
What we should be focusing on is our true home in heaven. What we should be focusing on are the promises of God and the restoration he is enacting even now. Let me read you these verses from Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame deer, then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where the jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Isaiah 35, 1-10 Did you know that this was written 700 years before Jesus came to this world and was born? The people were waiting for their Messiah and knew without a doubt that when he arrived, his appearance would change everything. Now, today, we are waiting for his return. Trusting and believing that when he returns, we will be ushered into our eternal home. We need to remember that while we are all on different journeys, and I can see that today as I hear from people from Africa and people from Indonesia and people from Pakistan and people from India and people that are living here in the United States. We're all on different journeys in different locations of the world, but we have One destination in view. Heaven. That is what we're living for today. Heaven. Trusting and believing that Jesus is going to return and take us home. And that we won't have to stay in this broken world anymore. This life is only a blip on the radar compared to the eternity we can have in heaven with Jesus Christ. 
when we lift our heads and focus not with our physical eyes, but with our spirits, trusting in the Holy Spirit and in God's promises, we can see that this world is temporary and that our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17. When we think about people that are focusing on heaven and not their situations right now, we have to think about Paul. When Paul wrote Philippians, he was sitting in a prison in Rome. Paul knew it wasn't about the situation he was in. It was about the work that Jesus was doing in him and through him in that season of life. And we talked about that, I don't know, a little over a month or so ago. We talked about the prison cells that we live in, prison cells that we work out of and live out of each day. And we have all been in some kind of prison cell circumstance. We've been a prisoner of a situation, a lifestyle, an addiction. We've been a prisoner of our mind. And we talked about that during that series is what does it look like? And, and how do we get out of that? And how Jesus is the only one that holds the keys But we need to have hope and faith that God is not finished with us yet. And I'm so glad that God's not finished with us when I think about what's happened for me since 2013 when he completely healed me. Ten years later, right, my life looks totally different than it did back then. And I'm so glad that he wasn't finished working with me, that he had plans and a purpose for my life, that he wanted me to found the ministry that he wanted me to preach and teach, that he wanted me to to do all the things that he's having me do today, that he had plans for a family, for grandchildren, all the promises that God had for me. I had to have hope and faith that God wasn't finished. Let him finish the work that he has begun in you. He will break your chains and give you the kind of freedom that can be found only in him as well as this prize of everlasting life. And Paul writes this in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. There's that, those words again. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We need to keep pressing on. We need to keep stepping out in faith. We need to keep cooperating with God. And remember this imagery, right, of 
what the devil wants to do in our lives. He wants us stalled out on the side of the road, not able to move. I think of that, a, a car with its hood up and the engine light is blinking and there you stand walking around the car, not sure what's happening, but yet you can't get to your destination. That's the devil's plans for us, right? Stalled out on the side of the road, not able to move forward. That's why it's so important for us to lift our heads and focus on Jesus and to step out in faith, even when we can't see yet that the the situation has changed. We're believing that God is still on the throne. We're having faith that he can work and move. We know who we are in Christ. And we're going to keep our joy. No matter what's happening right now in our world, we're going to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. I shared, I struggled for a lot of years with my head down under that weighted blanket of despair. When I finally lifted my head and looked to Jesus, I could see that I wasn't the only one struggling. And after he healed me and put me on a brand new path, he wanted me to know what it's like to lift my head and to see other people. In 2015, he invited me to go to Guatemala and showed me what it was like to lift my eyes to see the hurting and the lost. Traveling the bustling streets, buzzing with multitudes of people scattered with trash and abandoned metal vehicles that looked like these metal carcasses on the side of the road, my eyes were opened to another world. There were metal shacks that peppered the hillsides as we weaved these uh, roads to the top. When we finally arrived at this village, we were greeted by young and old alike. They had put on their best clothes, eager to pray over us and eager to share everything that they had. And let me tell you, it wasn't a lot, but they wanted to share it with us. They wanted to welcome us. And over the next seven days, we would be building homes and conducting a vacation Bible school at the community church. And we would be giving these pre-selected families new homes. Actually, they were steel shacks. But these steel shacks that had four walls and a metal roof and a dirt floor, some of them had a dirt floor, they would hold generations of people, right? From the grandmas and the grandpas to the parents to the kids. And I would gain this most life-altering opportunity to function as the hands and feet of Jesus which I really wasn't able to do before because I was so focused on my own problems and my own issues in my own blanket of pain. I would forever walk away changed with this commission to serve the lost and the broken, the hungry and the forgotten. I would serve those who were like me because I had experienced all of those things on my own journey. I was reminded 
that we've all been commissioned, all of us. This is what it says. The words of Jesus recorded in Matthew 25, 35 through 40. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we read these verses, we realize not only that we're commissioned to help those in need, but we're not the only one struggling. While living on this earth, we're going to struggle, right? Jesus tells us that it's not going to be easy, but he's going to walk with us. And it's not just this battle that we're fighting over here, but it's about our brothers and sisters that are around the world. All of them are fighting. It's the same battle, right? We're fighting against the enemy. We're fighting in a spiritual battle. God is restoring us back to himself and the enemy is doing everything he can to stall us out to put us on the side of the road, to stop us from going forward, to stop us from believing who we are in Christ, to stop us from having our joy. 1 Peter 5, 8-11 Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ and you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. These verses state, our family of believers is not just inside our own home or inside our own neighborhood or our own community, but throughout the world. And when we put on that full armor of Christ, we're not just fighting for ourselves, we're fighting for others that are struggling, we're standing in the gap, we're coming together and uniting against one common enemy, the enemy of our soul. And this is a great responsibility and a better focus than just what's happening in our own backyard, at our own dining room table, right? It's bigger than that. When I realized this, my struggles seemed to lack in comparison and diminish 
my own issues. There are people out there that are struggling worse than I, right? We need to keep that in mind. We need to keep that in perspective. And when my perspective changed, feeling sorry for myself, trapped under my blanket of despair was no longer an option for me, right? I, had, I couldn't unsee what I had seen. When I finally looked at Jesus and others, I could see myself more clearly, right? I could see that true beauty, true beauty, knowing who I am in Christ was the way God painted the sky at the start of each new day. True beauty was, I could see his hands in the new life of my granddaughter and how she quieted when I brought her up to the crook of my neck. I could see the love in each expression of kindness God prompted me to do, to listen to a stranger, to bring this person a cup of coffee, hugging someone when they needed a hug. And all the years that I struggled thinking about myself and listening to all the lies, I now stood in front of the mirror of my life and I saw myself and who I truly was the way God saw me as the daughter of the Most High King. You see, all of this is connected. Building blocks of faith, fundamentals of faith that we have to understand the big picture of how to walk this out each and every day. For a long time, I was weighted down by the baggage of my life and the mistakes that I had made living in a prison cell, right? But now I stand on the promises of his word, assured that God has plans for me, assured that what he started in with me, what he started with me, he will bring into fruition. He will complete And God replaced every lie that I had believed with his truth. So that today, as I stand here, despite my circumstances and situation, despite if whether it's going well or not, if there's struggles, if there's not, whatever the situation, today I can have and keep my joy. And that is exactly where you will find your joy today. Not in the world, in seeking approval from others, not in rating and measuring your happiness based on what the world says that you should have, not looking at your past pain and your heartache. You're going to find your joy when you look to Jesus, the author of our restoration and rebirth. When you lift your head and seek his face, his truth, and his love. You're going to find your joy when you see others' needs and realize how we can function as his hands and feet. And you'll find your joy when you see yourself the way God sees you, sons and daughters of the Most High King. Jesus, others, yourself.
joy. It's not based on the things of this world. It's not based on things that we can hold in our hand, physical things that are temporary and that will pass away with rust and be stolen away from this world. No, I'm talking about real joy that no matter what you face, no matter what situation comes your way, that you can remain in his love, remain confident of who you are and step out in faith every single day holding his hand. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but what we do know who holds tomorrow, and that's Jesus. And because of him and him alone, we can have and keep our joy. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I stand here today and I can see the full picture. I can see my life the way it was when I was grabbing on to things that I thought would just bring me happiness, but that was fleeting. I saw the years that I kept my head down, focused on my own pain, and, and did never looked up to see others, never looked up to see you. And I can see how, Lord, you have commissioned us to be your hands and feet, and that we can't truly have joy, even in our own situations, if we can't do what you have asked us to do, which is help others. So we need you, Lord, to help realign our lives with your word. We need you, Holy Spirit, to come in and replace the lies that we have been believing. And we need you to help us walk out our faith each and every day, even though this is such a challenging place to be today. And Lord, you know exactly what each person watching, each person listening are going through today. And I pray that they will feel your love in a real and tangible way. And that maybe for the first time in a long time, they will look up away from themselves, away from their situation, and they will look to you. And Lord, when that happens, I pray that they will see you, they will hear you, and that they will grab your hand. Help them, Lord, take the next step. Help them, Lord, to find their joy in you. We thank you for today. We seal this all up by the blood of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Thank you for being here today and for joining us. We have one more week. Next week, as we look at our fundamentals of faith, you won't want to miss it. But thanks for being here today and for joining us. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.